0: Well, Cindy and Joe Show. I'm Joe. I'm Cindy. And we are talking about the Unrivaled, that series that was, I thought it left out some good stuff, but. Yeah, it was a good, doc- you done. know, it was a good
1: documentary. It was cool because for me, I have a different perspective on this than probably most other people. Of
0: course you do.
1: <laughs> but that's why people listen to us, Joe, because we're different. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that was different for me, from my perspective, watching that is that. You have to remember, I was not watching hockey at that time. I didn't even know about too much about the Red Wings. Obviously, I live in Detroit, so I heard a little bit about what was going on, you know, just from friends and associates, you know. And and my husband was a big um, Red Wings fan, so he'd watch it. But I was not engaged in in hockey at that time. So for me, it was like I was looking at it in a cursory way. So I didn't follow the Red Wings rise. And I didn't follow the whole March 26, 1997. In fact, when I first met Darren McCarty, we started working on the book and film project that he and I are working on together, which obviously people are going to find out a lot about uh, later. And we've talked a little bit about it. But, um, I, you know, he mentioned March 26, 1997. And I said, I don't know what that is. And he said, Well, I guarantee you, he said, uh, in a few months, you're going to know exactly what that is. He said, you're going to become very familiar with it. And he was right. So my perspective on that entire rivalry came from hearing it from the players before I knew really what it was. Mm-hmm. So I heard Darren McCarty tell me his personal story. Yeah. I had Chris Draper tell me his personal story. You know, I heard from these guys directly um, and several others that were involved uh prior to actually seeing it myself, you know? So, I mean, I'd heard, for example, I'll give you a perfect example, Joe. Darren McCarty explained to me the amount of force and power that he had in that punch on Claude Lemieux before I actually saw it on film. He told me the real story about the turtling before I saw it on film. So for me, I'm hearing it, from the inside and then seeing it externally. Whereas most people, it's the other way around, right? They they saw it on the ice, they saw it on TV or whatever, if they were lucky enough to be there. And then Unrivaled allowed them into the, the kind of the private world of these players, hearing yeah. it from their perspective. So I got it the other way around. So for me, it was really a cool thing because it kind of gave me uh, the, the bird's eye 30,000 foot view when I had had a real granular, you know, nitty gritty um, right straight from the guy's um, perspective so well, it's cool for me
0: so the funny part about the march 26th game where mccarty beat the shit out of let yeah was we were moving my ma- my grandma and grandpa they they were moving up north
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and that was the first time i like I, I was that was my first recollection of hockey you know like seeing this guy beat the shit out of the guy who uh, you know checked draper to the boards and after knowing what happened you're like okay well he deserved that come but the goalie fights and like you seen shanahan which so cool you seen shanahan colliding with patrick wall in there like just unreal like that's like that's like that's like my heyday you know and then you watch the arrival, and you see the background of what happened and happened and like man what if that was that was such a great rival, r- rivalry like can't even put in the words. I'm, I'm stumbling on my words because, like, you know, watching it, like, them go toe to toe with each other for a period of like five, six years, where if they didn't win the cup, the other team won the cup. If they didn't win the cup, the other team won the cup, and they were fighting every effing year to go into the playoffs and go to the Stanley Cup final. And remember, in 2002, they put seven goals on that motherfucker from uh, the the Avalanche and Patrick Ball. And they basically ended yeah. that dynasty right then and there. Well, you know, it
1: was so. What's cool about this—the whole rivalry in general—and then I'll kind of give you some more tidbits. I'll, 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 I'll give the folks who are listening some things that you didn't hear in Unrivaled that I was told directly from Which the people involved.
0: Here's, here's what I don't understand. I am sitting across from a traitor. <laughs> A trader, the, I told a, a, you so. A trader of all proportions. I just
1: told you so. I just call him like I see him, Joe. I call him like Listen, I see him. I don't him.
0: call him like I see him. I just call him the way I want to see him.
1: <laughs> That's the difference. I call him like it is. You call it like how you want it to be. I called Colorado I, to win the Stanley Cup two months ago on this show. She's a trader,
0: guys. She's a trader.
1: I I've just gotten, I'm just that smart. I'm just that smart. I'm a chick who knows hockey and that's rather, a lot of fun. I'd, I'd
0: rather be wrong than be right about my hey, prediction about the Colorado Because
1: All my ladies of the Red Wings out there, we all know that we pay attention to hockey. Women are, we've got hockey minds. We think multi-dimensionally just like hockey players do. And we can see it coming. I saw it coming with Colorado. I didn't want to see it, but it was there.
0: I don't, I, don't, I, I refuse the. it's like the election. <laughs> they are not my stanley cup champion okay
1: i can appreciate they that are not, they're appreciate they are not my that. stanley cup
0: champion our stanley cup champion is nolan boyd this year
1: look here's what i love about the rivalry okay the and what why we need rivalry in sports right because it builds up anticipation tension there's there it it, it heightens the awareness of of what the real nature of the um you know that that man-on-man fight is all about to to win the brass ring, right? In whatever sport, it's kind of like foreplay. Oh, Let's think of it like for, a great rivalry is like great foreplay. It leads up to an amazing, colossal uh, finish.
0: <laughs> this, this has got off the rails. This That's, has got off the rails. It's
1: true if you think about it. Anticipation. Tension builds up to a very amazing a
0: crescendo. Finish. A crescendo. Let's, I love it. Listen, I love it. Listen, that's right. So that's I, what's great about you, this rivalry. If you play rivalries in sports, really don't happen. This, you know, in this age, because I, I swear to God, and this is my problem with rivalries now. It's like college sports is the only one you have rivalries. Okay, like Michigan, Michigan State, they don't like each other. Michigan, Ohio State, they don't like each other. Alabama Auburn do not like each other, but if you go in pro sports, there is no rivalries like we are seeing with Colorado and Detroit. You talk about it like, like Jason Tatum, who was a Boston Celtic, was wearing a Kobe Bryant armband. Kobe Bryant was a Laker. You know how you know how insane insane that is? Yeah, that's like, right. Like in my profession, in my view, like when we played Stevenson, like when I was playing high school football, and we played Stevenson. I wanted to beat the shit out of those people. Because it was a rivalry, like we didn't like each other, they didn't like us, and we were gonna settle it on the field. Now, today, now in today's age, you got these pro athletes being like, "Hey, friend, like, let's we'll have a good game." No, was, screw that. Why? Right. I don't even well, know why we we're having that conversation.
1: Here's why I think rivalries and why this particular documentary appeals to so many people, and why the Detroit Colorado rivalry um, is something that everyone, regardless if you're not from those markets, right? Everybody can relate to it because I think at its source, rivalries appeal to the basic human desire and need to fight for something. To fight for something, stand for something, fight for someone, that's just, that's just innate, okay? That's just part of being human. So it appeals to that element of it. And then to fight for something, and to achieve victory and this back and forth thing that detroit and colorado had going on i mean that is just quintessential humanism right there so that's why it appeals to people but you know one of the things that people may not realize and i'll tell you a little bit of a little i a couple of things that i've become privy to because of the wonderful people i've gotten to know and that is that darren mccarty told me you know, when you see that punch right that first punch that by the way uh, you know, my friend Mark, the the former uh, photographer, he's featured in the uh, documentary as well. He captured that just fantastically, right? Darren has said that since then, in the 20-some years, he has tried to make his fist that tight. He has tried to put enough, as much power and force into a punch since then, he hasn't been able to do it. Why? Because it came from raw emotion. It came from that wanting to fight for someone, mm-hmm. wanting to get back for his teammate and his good friend, Chris Draper. That's where that came from. That was real. It was genuine, and it was authentic. And that's a lot of things that are missing in a lot of this convoluted, prescribed world that we live in, whether it's sports or something else. That was real. Yeah. And that is what that is what people respond to. So he, he, he said he hasn't been able to remanufacture that. The other thing that's interesting is that people think that Claude Lemieux turtled, right? Like he was trying to cover himself, trying to protect himself. The reality is I was told that Claude Lemieux actually told Darren or at some point that he wasn't turtling. He was knocked out. Right. He was actually knocked out cold. That's how hard that hit was. Mm -hmm. And quite frankly, I think he deserved every bit of that for what he did to Chris Draper. Um, And uh, the other thing interesting about Chris Draper, they allude to this in in the documentary, was that Darren talks about going to pick Chris up at the – Hospital, of course, I've already heard this story yeah. before then. I heard this story two years ago. You heard that story? Yeah, that he had gone to pick up Chris Draper at the hospital and that the doctor gave Darren these wire clips or snips because he might have to, you know, his jaw was wired shut and he had to open it in the event he started to choke. But Darren said, okay, after he told him he was going to take care of it, he asked Chris where he wanted to go. He said, where do you want to go? He was starving, right? You're in the hospital, they don't feed you. And he wanted pasta, I believe it was from Andiamo's. He wanted to go to a local Italian restaurant here in Detroit, and that's all he could think about was having this pasta. And Darren was like, you got it, buddy. And he's like, I just hope I don't have to snip your uh, your jaws, you know, snip your wires to unhinge your jaws, you know, mm-hmm. just be careful about that pasta. But so I was waiting actually to hear him say that and reveal that, that that's they, what Chris they, they, that's what Chris Draper wanted after did. we got out of the hospital. You
0: know to make this more interesting?
1: And of course, he likes Italian food. And of course, as you all know, I'm Italian. So Chris Draper, my man, you know, you know what's good. You know, what makes this more. Inter- <laughs> you
0: know, what makes this more interesting?
1: What's that? You
0: no, know, Chris Draper said he would never forgive uh, Claude Mew.
1: Yeah, I found that interesting.
0: Yeah, um, it's gonna be fun when contract negotiations come for Cider because that is Cider's agent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny how the
1: he's actually an agent. Actually, Claude and Lemieux is an agent for or, uh, Sound, quite a few players. Oh, actually,
0: Os- he's, for two rebings, Oscar Sankwas and Moe Sider. Yeah. The funny part about it, though was
1: Moe Sider wasn't born when that
0: happened.
1: Right. Oh, well, most of these guys weren't right. actually. So, so
0: if this if he's probably, most
1: guys in the game weren't even born then. That's a really interesting point to make. I yeah. wonder.
0: I wonder what his thinking was like when he's like, "That's <laughs> I think I'll
1: pick Claude Lemieux.
0: That, that's my agent, <laughs> and he's getting beat." the crap out of a wrestling like what but you know that's 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 the part of the rivalry like that rivalry was just it it was one of the best rivalries I've ever seen or watched or anything because there was always a it was kind of like a soap opera like one team would get the best of another right it It was like you
1: want to see the next season of the show right right? you were always in
0: anticipation and that's right since then I really haven't had anything that's came close to that
1: yeah you don't and i think that's why they made the documentary and why so many people responded to it you know i mean, like I mean college
0: sports is the only one that you can get those emotions you know like yeah when michigan plays michigan state like that's a emotion filled mm-hmm. you know michigan plays Ohio State, that's emotion filled but like you don't see that kind of hate anymore in professional sports i mean most of these guys are pansies when it comes to like playing and, and well, and we hating, could go hating these people.
1: We could go into a whole nother segment about the wussification of sports. I mean, there it really has been, and it's unfortunate, you know. And that's one of the things when I talk to old players now, I say old players, former players now, they they watch that, the playoffs. They don't even watch regular season because it's just not the hockey. It's it's not the sport that they grew up watching, learning, playing, and appreciating. It's just not.
0: Yeah, it's 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 become it's become more. In a way, it's like hockey, became more. Uh, it's became more skilled, which and faster. But that's that's gonna happen when these athletes get into hockey. But it needs to be more a little bit more physical, and they need oh, to no t- tighten the reins. And, and that, that, yeah, they. I you like, know,
1: that's I, one of the things that people appreciate, and one of the things I hear people talk about, and I can tell you, I've experienced it in going to watch um, games in in the um, the A. Or one of the other minor leagues. They play tough. They do because they have to because yeah. they they're trying to get to the big show. So yeah, so you got a little more of that element. But I agree with you. That's really good. The NHL
0: like NH- needs to get more tough because yeah. I think you watch that playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs. Everyone liked the playoffs. There that Stanley Cup playoffs. I thought it was a little bit boring because there wasn't. It wasn't tight. Oh my God. It was, no. How could you
1: think it was boring? I thought it was nothing but boring. I thought it was, it was totally It awesome. was boring
0: because uh, I'm telling you right now because it's boring because when you're in the playoffs, I expect emotion, I expect hard hitting, I expect toughness, which we've seen because toughness always happens in hockey. But I didn't see the hitting. It was too wide open. It was too much of a Lamborghini race instead of like a. So right over F-150 race. But it was
1: high scoring and people like to see I don't goals. like high
0: scoring, though. No. I don't, as a goalie, I don't like high scoring. So well, of course you sure don't. And
1: speaking of goalies, that's the other thing that this rivalry really, uh, was really cool about it, is that, and this is something Darren and I have talked about it as well. The goalies got in. the one of the best things about it was that he could always tell Patrick, well, yeah, you got beat up by two of my goalies. Ozzie and vernon beat you up so you couldn't beat either one of my goalies we beat you up twice you know you have so uh he's kind of held that over over raw's head i think uh whenever he had the opportunity to chirp him or whatever he would mention make sure to mention that uh, yeah any one of our goalies can kick your ass you
0: know and patrick wall was one of the best goalies of all time
1: no doubt yeah and for sure but the,
0: the big scene get his ass kicked was absolutely Phenomenal.
1: And he's actually a heck of a nice guy. And in that in that particular uh, documentary, he even mentions that, you know, he kind of regrets it now. He said, you know, Ozzy didn't deserve, you know, what he did to him when he came in and, and, and brought him into that fight. But
0: that was I the think, thing. It was a
1: fight for everybody.
0: I think as a goalie, I think you just want to get in on anything. So because that, yeah, you
1: don't get very many opportunities to do that.
0: No. And I think yeah. Patrick Wall was one of the more physical goalies, especially when, like, when people came in his crease, he would give them a shove to the back. So, you know, Patrick Wall Patrick Wall. He's, he's a big dude, and he um, got his ass beat by two Red Wings, so that's good.
1: <laughs> and we will continue to beat Colorado, but every time we get the opportunity, and I'll tell you, when the Red Wings come back, and based on some of their opportunities coming up in the draft, based on something, we're going to talk about that in a little bit in another segment, but, man, I'm ready for that rivalry to continue. Let's go get them this
0: year. Yes, sir. In the next segment, we will be talking about the rubbings and their draft in the coaching and what we would like to see them do in free agency kind of like an off season kind of. Kind of a
1: reviewer stat.
0: Yeah.